Welcome to Living on Purpose. I'm Mark Pumphrey, along with my co-host, Dr. Christy Stewart, coming to you from the Circle City, Indianapolis, Indiana. And Christy, last month was Black History Month. Yes, it was. It was an incredible time to talk about four incredible African-American figures that impacted our American history and our culture, right? Yeah. Two and, women and two men. Yes. And this month, we're going to talk about Women's History Month. Again, didn't even realize that there was a Women's History Month. And March is Women's History Month. We're going to cover five uh, incredible topics, four specific women, and one uh, three weeks ago. We talked about the history of the bicycle and how it impacted women's culture and women's history and propelled us into the rights that we have today, all based on the bicycle. I know, and it's fascinating stuff, especially when you're looking at things in history that we didn't even realize would propel us, right? Exactly. So you did some research, and you found out more interesting facts about women's history. So we're going to go kind of a brief history of that, so then that way people know what we're talking about, right? International Women's Day really is a global celebration of the economic, political, and social achievements of women and it really took place in the first time, March 8th of 1911. So it's been around a long time, even though not so much here in our country. But the United Nations started sponsoring it in 1975, and they adopted the resolution of observation of International Women's Day. And they did it for the following reason. They, and I quote, to recognize the fact that securing peace and social progress and the full enjoyment of human rights and fulfillment freedoms require the active participation, equality, and development of women and to acknowledge the contribution of women to the strengthening of international peace and security. So that's really how it's based on the international community, which kind of really overflows into ours as well, even though we didn't start observing Women's History Month until March of 1987. And it kind of grew out of a week-long celebration that really started in California in 1978. And But it wasn't until 1980 when President Jimmy Carter issued the first presidential proclamation declaring the week of March 8th as National Women's History Week. And then six years later, the Congress actually passed it to make it the entire month of March. And I think those things are interesting because I think black history started out as a week and then morphed into the whole month. And we see that, again, for women, that it took many, many years later. It was recognized in the entire world before it was recognized here. Yeah, 80 years. Right. I mean, and so I got to tell you, it just kills me how progressive we think we are, but then yet we find out that we still are back in the Stone Ages for some things, right? For anybody who watched the presidential inauguration of President Joe Biden, you saw that Michelle Obama, Hillary Clinton, Kamala Harris, and Elizabeth Warren all had a version of purple on. And it's interesting because I did not know this until we did our first show of March, and that was that historically the combination of purple, green, and white symbolizes women's equality It originated in the Women's Social and Political Union in the UK in 1908. Purple signifies justice, dignity, and equality. Uh, Green symbolizing hope. But they actually addressed that after the inauguration of why they were all in a version of purple. And that was because it symbolizes women's equality in the world. And I think this is really an interesting time that we're doing this. is because we have the first female vice president. And as we've talked about in even the Black History Month, that there would be no 
Kamala Harris if there was not a Condoleezza Rice. So there is significance to this. I mean, this is a great time in history. It is. And I think that the person we're going to talk about today and the rules that she lives by are going to be really impact everything that we've seen today as progression, as you've talked about, because this woman's been around a long time. A long time. Yes, that's true. <laughs> she has been around a long time. And it is a person that is regal, that is iconic. And who are we going to talk about today? We are going to talk about the life lessons and rules of living from Queen Elizabeth II. And I got to tell you, she is a lady. You know, she, she you see, is hilarious. I've I learned a lot. I've not watched The Crown, not in its entirety. I've only seen I a couple not. episodes. This has really gotten me to want to watch it in its entirety because it, she is incredible and mm-hmm. has just been such a role model, you know, in all different capacities. So I think today's show should be fun for everybody. Uh, we're going to give some cool little facts about her that people don't necessarily know. In the September issue of AARP Magazine, Brian Kulowski did a really interesting article on the 10 rules that the world's longest reigning monarch, Queen Elizabeth II, follows in her daily routine that she has done basically her entire adult life. Now, before we get into the 10, just as a real quick question, when you were doing this, did you find the same similarities of the other ones we've done? They are very similar. See, yeah, Whether I, we're talking about the other females... Uh, and next week we're going to do uh, Eleanor Roosevelt. But similarities between all of the women and Black History Month, we did Oprah Winfrey, Barack Obama, mm-hmm. George Washington Carver, and Condoleezza Rice. And you're going to see very, very similar overlaps in those and the ones that we talk about today as well. And i got to tell you, it's probably really a great thing for people to hear, so then that way they can get their take on those similarities. Yeah, there's definite strands of similarity between people that are successful and people that are in service. That was another thing. We didn't pick just people. You know, Oprah is not somebody that's just a billionaire, right? She is somebody who is a billionaire that's also in service. Exactly, exactly. Well, as we're talking about the queen, I don't know a lot about the queen. I don't follow the monarchs really well. So can you give our listeners just kind of a brief history about who she is? She was born April 21st of 1926. And at 94 years old, the queen is still going strong. (laughs) The author talked about He spent a year actually researching for this article and studying for um, his book. His book is actually called Long Live the Queen, and he found 10 secret rules that the queen lives by that she's very conscious of, and some of them are are really quite fascinating. But before we get into the 10, let's talk about uh, who the queen is and how she has actually become the longest reigning monarch. Her official title, okay, be ready, take a seat back. Her official title is Elizabeth Alexandria Mary, officially Elizabeth II, by the grace of God of the United Kingdom of the Great Britain and Northern Ireland and of her other realms of territories, Queen, Head of the Commonwealth, Defender of Faith. I mean, wow. That's her title. Is that like a front and backside on the business card? I mean, what, what does that look like when she says, who, who introduces her like that? Exactly. <laughs> um, in 2015, she surpassed Victoria to become the longest reigning monarch in British history. And that was 63 years and some odd days back in 2015. So she's quite oh, she's still surpassed going strong, Victoria. yeah. Originally, she was not in the direct line for the throne until King Edward VIII gave up his right to the kingdom 
for the love of a divorced American woman and mm-hmm. made way for his brother, Prince Albert, the Duke of York, to become king on December 11th, 1936. And they had a great movie about him. Yeah, on the King's King speech. speech. Yeah, I think it was. It yeah. was a great movie on his life. It's interesting that um, a lot of her younger years, she and her sister were separated from their parents, and they lived in Scotland um, due to World War II. Yeah, I believe, and I don't know this because, again, I've not seen the crown or anything like that, but didn't they have to separate them from different places around the country? So if something should happen to the king or queen, there was another monarch? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. And her father died February 6, 1952, and she took over the responsibility of a queen at age 25. Again, now, you weren't groomed for this your entire life, right? There was no chance when you were little that you were going to be the queen. Mm-hmm. Until you know your uncle gave it up, and then your dad kind of gets thrown into something, and now all of a sudden at twenty five, you're the queen of England. <laughs> I mean, think yeah. about that for a second, though. You are going to be the queen of an entire country when most people, quite frankly, are partying at twenty five. Still, you've got to run an entire nation. There's really some interesting facts that I, at least, that I found interesting about the queen that we want to talk about before we kind of get into her 10. Uh, the first is she's only given one sit-down interview in her entire reign. Okay. Yeah, that was to the BBC reporter in 2018 on the 65th anniversary of her coronation. So wow. she's only given I didn't one. Know that. Huh. This, I love this, and I've read about this in the past, that she once fooled American tourists who didn't know who she was in Scotland. The story goes that the queen takes opportunity while relaxing in Scotland to let her guard down a little bit. Instead of her usual queenly demeanor, she enjoys being outdoors in her everyday raincoat and her kerchief over her head. And there's a lot of stories that she kind of fools people when she puts that over her head. But one of her former security guards told a funny story about the queen running into some American tourists on one of her countryside walks. Not knowing who she was, they asked if she lived around there, to which she cheekily told them that she had a house nearby. And when they asked if she'd ever met the queen, she replied, I quote, no, but he has, pointing to her security guard. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I think there's another story here in a bit that I'll tell you about. The going, she actually went to the grocery store and had a similar experience. But I didn't know this, that she actually acted in a James Bond scene. Really? Um, yeah. It, okay. It, it was a part of the opening ceremonies for the 2012 London Olympics. Apparently, the director for the ad actually asked her if he could use her likeness in the opening ceremony, and she responded that she wanted to appear herself. And I, I kind of, I kind of now remember this that. It's a James Bond scene, and then they actually fly off in a helicopter at the end, but it was part of the opening ceremonies for the 2012 uh, London Olympics. And she actually worked across opposite Daniel Craig in the James Bond skit. So isn't that kind of fun? That is kind of neat. Uh, did she get paid for this? Was it was it a pay <laughs> Maybe. gig? Maybe. She's pretty frugal. We're going to talk about that in a bit. Um, so she probably wanted payment for that. Uh, another one is that she actually reads her fan mail. Herself? Herself. Really? Yep. Says, yep, if you write snail mail to the queen, she will likely read it. According to her official website, she receives over 60,000 pieces of mail a year and has shown almost all of her daily correspondence. She takes a keen interest, quote unquote, in the letters she receives and might even write you back. 
as she does for subjects celebrating milestones such as turning 100 or celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary. So she actually sits and <laughs> reads her fan mail. And, and then, it actually gave you the address that you just write it to the queen at Buckingham Palace and she'll get it. But that, that is wild. I, I got to tell you, I can't think of another person in any kind of realm that would do that. I mean, <laughs> wow. Another is that, and I, I knew of this, but I didn't know necessarily the con- significance of the context, but she actually served in World War II. Against her mm-hmm. father's recommendations, she served in the Women's Auxiliary Territorial Service in 1945. She worked as a mechanic and a truck driver. I knew she drove a Jeep, but I didn't know she was actually a mechanic. And her service actually marks she is the only current living head of state to have served in World War II, and she is the only female member of the royal family to have ever entered the military. Well, good for her. Yep. This is kind of funny. She's exempt from the usual documentation. It talked about that she likes to drive herself, I oh, guess. okay. But she does not have a driver's license. The queen doesn't have to have a no, driver's license? because apparently in England, they're actually issued in her name. <laughs> so, so she's like, Everybody has a driver's license. By the queen. Exactly. <laughs> Another thing other than a driver's license that are issued in the name of the queen... She's traveled over 250 international visits to 100 different countries, and she's never needed a passport for the same reason, because they're all issued under the the whatever of the queen, so she doesn't feel she needs a passport or a driver's license. <laughs> well, and then really, you're the queen of England. I mean, right. who doesn't recognize you? What's your business here? She's the queen of England. <laughs> <laughs> right. And another thing that I found this, especially since there's been this issue in the United States with our former president not paying taxes... She is exempt from having to pay all taxes. I mean, anywhere? In England. I mean, she's the Queen of England, but she's she doesn't have to pay any. So she goes in and gets a soda and they put a tax on pay, there? She, right, she does not have to pay taxes, <laughs> but she voluntarily pays income taxes and capital gain taxes, just like any other citizen of the country. Well, you know, I think that's cool because even though she's exempt from it, she wants to set an example. Exactly. That's leadership. Yeah. And we've kind of talked about that, and this is one of those overflow things in some of our other shows that, you know, you you just have to be a good role model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though you don't need to do it, and I got to tell you, some in our political system, some people could take some lessons from this. It's not the do as I do, do as I say mentality we have here sometimes. That's great for her. Yep. So even though she technically does not have to pay taxes, she pays her equal share just like anybody else. Good for her. And the last one, she's surprisingly frugal. Stating that living uh, royal doesn't mean you have to be over-the-top extravagant. She's a fan of eating special case cereal and leftovers. I didn't know about the leftovers. I didn't know about the special K. And her waste-not mindset means um, she'd rather fix and reuse items like sheets and gloves than toss them to the trash. I mean, and you just sit there like, how did you get in that mindset? Is it because she went through World War II and she was in the military, so she had to learn how to reuse things? You know what I'm saying? What gave you that mentality, especially being a monarch? Yeah. You, you you want a swordfish sandwich. You just call down and somebody's going to find you a swordfish sandwich. Right, exactly. I mean, can you say, which leftovers would you like? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she goes the refrigerator and, yeah, the one in the pink Tupperware. I don't know, you know, but seriously. But, yeah, she likes special case cereal, and she is all about eating the leftovers. I, yeah, A woman I'm, that could have anything at any time she wants it 
And she's good with just, no, no, we're good. Yeah, I mean, and then you call down to the chef, which I'm sure that there's a chef on duty all the time. And you nah, just give me what we had last night. <laughs> well, she has a chef for her dogs. Oh. You know, she's known for her dogs, but she's, she actually has a chef and a special diet just for just for the dogs. dogs. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, so she, I think the dogs eat better than she does, apparently. Yeah, it's like she's having meatloaf and they're having steak tartare or something. <laughs> I don't go. know. So let's get to the 10 secret rules the queen lives by. Okay, so she has a 10. We Like we talked about earlier, there's going to be similarities to this. But then the queen has her own take on these 10, right? Yeah, exactly. Of course, they're not quite so secret. No, well, I guess that's true. <laughs> but, yes, yeah, so these are some that she is very conscious of. And some of these were just common themes, I think, that he, after spending a year of researching her, that he kind of came up with. But the first one is recharge your willpower. Mm, self-care. Interesting. She takes an hour every day for tea time. Apparently, this is a ritual break every day that she takes a quiet hour and drinks a pot of Earl Grey tea and has a sugary snack. So she's just reflecting, getting get like a meditation, if you will. Right, and I guess this started from the day that she took her, her coronation oath to today that she, whether she's international or at home at Buckingham Palace, she takes an hour every day to just decompress and have her tea and have her sugary snack. And it's just built into her schedule and she can just relax and reflect and just have a moment. And she it is a priority that she does every day. Oh, well, Isn't that interesting? That is fascinating. And so I looked up willpower to see exactly what the definition was. And it is... Control exerted to do something or restrain impulses. <laughs> something I don't have with Oreo cookies, so <laughs> you, you know. <laughs> when you look at the phrase, recharge your willpower, it really is about decompressing, like you mm-hmm. said, and and kind of getting centered before you go about the rest of your day. I think that that's fabulous. Yeah, because, I mean, it doesn't take very long or very much for things to spin out of control, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, That's exactly right. We're talking about the queen, so she's got a lot of things going on in the day. I looked up the signs that you need to recharge, right? Okay. For the just in general, stereotypically, what are signs that we need to take a break? We need to take a moment like the queen and <laughs> get settle our pot down of tea and on. get our pot of tea. Exactly. Signs. And not that these are going to surprise anybody, but when I and I looked at this list, I thought, oh man, if I could just acknowledge that I'm doing that and know that I need to just go sit down and take a break, I think that I would fare better, um, especially with other people. Cynical, critical, or being impatient. Oh yeah. Yeah. When when I need to take a break, th- those are definitely ones that I get impatient. The next was lack of motivation. Now, I got to tell you, that one surprised me when you were talking about that because I never thought about lack of motivation as something that you would need to recharge your battery. But it does yeah. kind of make sense. I think you probably, when you get over, overwhelmed and mm-hmm. there's too much going on. Yeah, you, you just kind of shut motivation. down. And so, yeah, that, that totally makes sense after you sit there and really kind of examine it. The next is lack of satisfaction from your accomplishments. Mm. I think that goes along the same um, everything just runs together. You're not appreciating yeah. things. I think that's another thing. You just don't appreciate those moments when you're having them because you're not in the moment. That's true. Right? Yep. You're running, you're running, you're running so hard that you can't just stop. And that's what she's saying. You just need to stop and, and enjoy the moment and be in the moment. Another was the extreme of using drugs, food, or alcohol to feel better or to numb yourself out. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's uh, into extreme, but I think that is definitely true. When you're running constantly, I think that's one way that people use to slow down. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I would imagine that's, or to speed things back up, or to slow down again, or, you know what I'm right, saying? Right, exactly. Just, yeah, wow. So on to the next of how to recharge that. How yeah. do you do it, right? Make a list of accomplishments. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. That can help you get perspective. Forgiveness. Which we talk about one, a lot. Yeah, that then, but that definitely is a way of recharging, kind of slowing down and being getting gaining perspective. Do something fun. Yeah, have your sugary snack and a pot of tea. There you you know, so... <laughs> Uh, meditate or pray. Kind of Over that. your sugary snack <laughs> and a pot of tea. <laughs> um, and take a break from technology. Oh, I so need to do get that. Get off your phone. Get off your iPad. Walk away from your computer. Walk away from Facebook. You know, how many people take their break and what they do on their break is they go and look on Facebook. That's not that's not how you're going to decompress and recharge your willpower. One, some of the things that we've talked about in other shows is go out in nature. Just take a walk. Right, exactly. Even literally we talked in one show about t- literally touching dirt yes. has a physiological impact on your brain mm-hmm. to help you recharge. I mean, it certainly does for me because I hate touching dirt. Everybody knows this, but <laughs> but no, it does. I mean, you know, get outside, smell the fresh air, you know, just mm, yep. get, let, just release all that. Yep, and, that, and nature has a way of doing that. It does. And we see that in Scandinavian countries prioritizing the amount of parks that they actually have to have per capita of people because they understand that the happiness level comes from being able to recharge and being able to have that moment and be in the moment. And so they have X amount of parks per capita of people all through Scandinavian countries as a priority. Well, and I got to tell you, when you see those pictures of the Scandinavian countries of people driving by the countryside and the big waterfalls and everything like that, and you think how beautiful that is, Imagine actually seeing and being in that. That must be breathtaking. Uh, I can tell you the time that we spent in Norway and Sweden, it was. And there are those waterfalls. And, <laughs> and But those people prioritize recharging their willpower, mm-hmm. right? They do. They only work certain months out of the year. They have, you know, what they hire, you hire in with like eight weeks paid vacation. They actually take all their vacation. And they recharge with their families and they go on their holidays and... They go to the park and they ride their bicycles. It's part of their culture. Right, right. As opposed to us, we've gotten away from that. Part of our culture is you go to work sick. Right? Did you, we ever have it, though? I mean, if you Probably said, not, <laughs> because, I mean, our country was founded on, you know, you had to work the fields and you had to work a certain schedule and uh, being productive and capitalism is all about more and more and more and more and more. So, no, I don't think that necessarily is part of our ingrained culture like it is in a lot of other countries. Hmm. Well, there you have it. So, you got to take some time out for yourself. The queen does it with her pot of tea, her sugary snacks. You can do it with anything but a phone, you know? So, you can just be out there in nature and recharge your batteries, if you will. And I'm quite a fan of Earl Grey tea. And they actually have Lady Earl Grey tea. So I'd like to point out for you, Earl Grey lovers, if you make it into iced tea, it's incredible. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) The queen knows best. All right. So, let's talk about number two. Stick to a schedule. Now, we've talked about this in other shows. We talked about even time management when we're talking about a schedule. I think having a routine is important. From the first day as queen, Elizabeth has calmed her mind by following a very strict daily regime, of which we talk about as an hour of taking for herself, and she ends each day by writing in her journal. 
Since she was 25 and she's been keeping a journal, maybe even before then, somebody's going to put that in a a book. I bet you that would be... Well, uh, I bet it's going to be on display at some point. Oh, man, that's going to be fascinating. Well, in keeping a journal, it really helps you connect to your to your values, your emotions, and your goals. You know, mm. I'm not a big journal keeper. I'm not either. But I have on these hikes that we've talked about, right? The, I did keep a daily journal on the Camino and kind of we've talked about that walking for somebody every day and mm-hmm. focusing on that person all day. I can see how this would be of great benefit if I could actually be disciplined enough to actually do it, but I haven't. Well, the queen is. Yes, she is. (laughs) But it really helps with self-awareness and understanding yourself. I think it helps you understand other people. Uh, I agree with that. People do say that it reduces stress. Again, also, because you're writing it down. You're actually letting it go go into the pen, if you will. There you go. Uh, It really helps to prioritize your problems, your fears, and your concerns. Mm Mm-hmm. You can really see patterns and behaviors and thoughts. We saw that in our show with Cassandra LeClaire, right? In the book that she wrote on being whole, she talked about that that's where she got her whole book was out of looking at her journal and the patterns in her journal. And those patterns in her journal became chapters in her book. I agree with that. And I got to tell you, even when you stick to that schedule, like you write in it every day, (laughs) it gives you that, I don't know, that, that power to move on to something else. I, you know what I'm saying? And it, so definitely keeping that schedule to write, I think, would be important. I wish I was like that, too. I wish I was more disciplined to do that. Yeah. I really think it helps you also to stay in the moment. You know, as you said, releasing actually helps you bring you back into reflection. Research has found tons of evidence that is helpful in identifying, accepting emotions, managing stress, and easing the symptoms of mental illness. I think it really is a benefit to anybody that has a discipline or, you know, gets into a routine or habit mm-hmm. of actually doing it. And if it works for the queen, it should work for everybody. Well, yeah, and definitely. So if you could stick to a schedule, journal mm-hmm. your stuff that you really want to put down, your thoughts, your feelings mm-hmm. at the end of the day, which is probably not a bad thing because in the beginning of the day, you're going to stick to that schedule. I mean, imagine the president or the queen mm-hmm. being off schedule, even by minutes, Right. could throw everything off. That's her release at the end of the day is writing all this stuff down. You know, I had a tough day, whatever, whatever you're going to put down in there. So I, I think journaling would probably help you center yourself, if you will. But keeping a schedule is very important, at least in my opinion, because it keeps you on track. Yep, exactly. And I think that's what she's saying. Stick to a schedule. A routine. (laughs) A routine, if you will. So what's number three? Number three is develop your sense of purpose. Yeah, we talked about this. Yes. (laughs) Uh, The queen lives for something larger than herself, right? Her country. Really having a life purpose helps, you know, keep you on the right track and accomplishing your goals. We've talked about that endlessly. It helps keep perspective through difficult times. And Psychology Today actually stated the need for purpose is one defining characteristic of human beings Human beings crave purpose and suffer serious psychological difficulties when we don't have it. That is absolutely true. Yeah. I mean, think about anybody that you know that has lost their sense of purpose or is wandering trying to find their sense of purpose. And we're not talking about a job or a career or, you know, it, whether it's a family life. We're talking about your whole. Oftentimes, when we're talking about the queen, I think really evident to see what her purpose is. She's there for her country. And some of us can't do that, but we can do that in the community we're in or the whatever. Right, so making can, a difference on the stage that you've been given. We talk about that all the time. Exactly. But it really is important that you 
kind of know what you stand for. You know, I mean, she's on a huge stage, but what stage do we have? And those stage changes. Your purpose through your life changes. Absolutely. And I think that's one thing that people think, oh, well, my purpose when I was 16 was to do this, and I'm going to stick with that the rest (laughs) of my life. No, your purpose changes. Circumstances in your life change. The people in your life change. So your purposes need to change with them. Well, and as she said, you develop your sense of purpose. It doesn't say you have a sense of purpose. You develop it over time. Right, exactly. That was well said. Yep. So number four, serve others. That, that I mean, that flows right into your purpose, right? Yeah, she's a patron of hundreds of charities. She believes that giving herself to a good cause can do as she, and I quote, as much as anything to help me put my own worries into perspective. If anybody needs to keep their life in perspective, it's her. I mean, right. and she just needs to look at her relatives throughout time of losing perspective mm-hmm. and how that that was detrimental to themselves, their their country. She's adamant about that of, you know, she really is in service to her country. Well, and we've talked about this in other shows. If you really want to help others or you you you're really going through something, help others to put perspective back into your life. Yep. Because my gosh, I whatever you're going through, there is somebody going through something worse. And the best way to get out of your own stuff of what you're going through is to help other people. Yes. You know, give what you need. How many times have we said that, mm-hmm. right? You give what you need, you're always going to have what you need. You might not have who or what you want, but you're always going to have what you need. And that's the best way to get what you want is to give. I and, agree. But I think sometimes, especially in our culture, we think of life as a pie. So it's really about when we become fearful or when we're not getting what we want, we try to grab onto it and strangle the life out of it. <laughs> right? And that's not, you got to let it go. And give to others what you want and what you need. And that's the best way to get what you want. Well, it's definitely something that makes us feel good when we help others, right? It's it's something that we emulate if we see it. It makes us feel good. I mean, look at the internet. Some of their biggest watched videos are people being kind to one another. And so it's like something we crave as people. And I think a really important part of that is finding that good fit, though. And a lot of people think that you just need to be in service. Um, On everything. Yeah, Yeah. everything. No, you need to find what's a good fit. And it's interesting. The Navy SEALs actually has an acronym for, and it's just FITS, F-I-T-S. Okay. And they say that F literally is the word fit, right? Does the charity or whatever you're looking at being in service to, does it fit your lifestyle, your budget, um, your time availability, those type of things. Because if if it doesn't, you're not going to necessarily be successful at it. You're probably going to resent it. Find a good fit for you. I is important. How important is the charity to your broader purpose, your mission in life? Again, you know, if you're not a dog person going and volunteering at the Humane Society, probably not a good fit for you because it's really not that important to you. But if it is, that is just as important as, of a need as somebody that's going in tutoring kids in math. Absolutely. Maybe you don't like kids or you're not good in math. That wouldn't be very important to you. And again, on the F, it wouldn't be a good fit for you. So mm-hmm. finding the good fit and that it's actually important to you. T is timing. Is the timing right? Uh, and do you have the skill level to do it? Oh, that's right? a good one. If you yeah. work afternoons and you work second shift, finding a job tutoring kids in the evening probably isn't a very good timing <laughs> issue. And as the simplicity, is it simple and clear to you? Do you understand the need? It really it kind of falls into 
I have my not 501c3 that I support the kids in Ecuador, right? That's not necessarily a simple task. I can't just simply just, you know, walk down to Ecuador and do what I need to do. Mm-hmm. So that may not be very simple as far, far as geographically. You know, I work it out and I am able to go to Ecuador on a regular basis. Some people can't do that. So right, that would right. not be a good fit for them. So. I think I, this is fantastic, and especially simplicity of it. Because mm-hmm. if you think about it, it has to be simple, especially when you're giving your time, treasures, talent for, and quote unquote, nothing but for you to do service. It has to be simple because once it starts to get complicated, people start backing away from it. Right. And then it becomes not fun, and it's supposed to be fun. Right. Right. It's supposed to make you feel good, right? It's about your life purpose. It's supposed to make you feel good. Absolutely. So again, and, what is it a good fit? Is it important to you? Just because it's important to somebody else doesn't mean it's important to you. Mm-hmm. Is the timing right for you? And is it simple enough for you to make a commitment to it and continue on doing it? Absolutely. And I got to tell you, with that being said, I'm going to put in a shameless plug about becoming a member of our radio station, right? So, <laughs> good. Shameless plug us all day long. Seven, Shameless plug. $7 a month, and that is a very simple way that you can make a difference in the lives of kids in our orphanage and kids that are struggling to literally eat right now because of the pandemic. Your $7 a month, we don't keep a dime of it. It all goes. It's a simple way. It's a good fit. It is very important, and... We can we can make that happen for you. Yes, definitely hit that subscribe <laughs> button. You'll help out the radio station and definitely those kids in Ecuador. So there is our shameless plug. <laughs> there you go. Well, on to number five, sweeten the self-talk. She's quoted as saying, I find that I can often put things out of my mind which are disagreeable. So that's an interesting quote, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, but don't we do that? If we don't like it or we don't want to hear it, we generally find a way to put it out of our mind so we don't have to deal with it. <laughs> so she's no different than the rest of us. Well, probably even more so because her decisions make huge impacts. It does. And she's also quoted as saying, the trouble with gloom is that it feeds upon itself. Doesn't it, though? It does. I mean, that 76% of self-talk on average that we all do, that's one reason why we do it. What mm-hmm. you focus on increases. So it the gloom just feeds and feeds and feeds, and then it rolls from one area to another and now you're terrible at this, and now you're terrible at that, and then you're terrible at this, and other people are like, what are you talking about? Right. You know, just because you're not good at math doesn't mean that, you know, you can't be a good pickleball player. I mean, you know, I mean, we convince ourselves uh, that we're terrible at everything. Once oh. we start down that rabbit yeah. hole, then it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. We get A lot of people get stuck there. Yeah. I've gotten stuck there. Sure, yeah, we all have. And i got to tell you, it, nobody will put you down as much as you'll put yourself down. <laughs> right. right, exactly. Some of the ways around that are to find humor, not my strong strength in that. <laughs> <laughs> Finding other people that are funny. Uh, generally helps with that, but I uh, we've said that you have a much better sense of humor than I do. <laughs> Surround yourself with positive people. Again, the word is positive. Surround yourself with positive people. And if you can't do that, you know, you're kind of stuck with your family. You're kind of stuck with the people that you work with. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, if they're not positive, you're going to have to really fill in those gaps with other people that are going to help you stay positive and help you stay out of that 76% of negative self-talk and help you see your value. 
Uh, use positive affirmations. Uh, our good friend Othello Bach is really big into that, mm-hmm. uh, coming up with affirmations. The I can do's, I'm good enough, I want to, I can, it doesn't matter if I make a mistake, all of those kind of things that we counteract that and say I can't, I should have. Right. You know, we get stuck in those. <laughs> Why need, didn't I? Why, yeah, you need to flip those that I can. And another was to leave room for mistakes. No, you're not going to be perfect. Uh, that's hard for us. That is you know, very we hard, like yeah. To, we, we like to push towards perfection, but you have to make room for mistakes. You're not always going to be perfect. You're not always going to do it right. Negative people kind of can really impact that. Oh, sure they can. I, and they, they're going to be your rah-rah team if you want when you do something wrong. Right. <laughs> and they really increase your stress level. They do, um, They yes. make you doubt your ability, and they prevent you from handling stress, I think, in a, in a negative way a lot of times. Yeah. Again, what you focus on increases. So if somebody's pointing out your laundry list all the time, that's all you're <laughs> going to necessarily see is your laundry list. It said the rule for practicing positive self-talk was don't say anything to yourself that you wouldn't say to anybody else. Ooh, Be that's gentle a good and rule. encouraging with yourself. Yeah, that's a good yeah, that's that's a rule, great rule to live by. for practicing positive self-talk. If you don't have anything nice to say about yourself, don't say anything at all. That's right. <laughs> Fill it in with something else. Fill yeah. it in with music. That's one thing we talk about a lot is mm-hmm. find music that really resonates with you and is positive and moves you in a good direction. And when you're having a bad moment, pop that thing in and that generally will help to propel you forward. Definitely. Or have your pot of tea and a sugary snack and at go. the night journal it and try to... Again, all these work together. Yeah. These all kind of just make a, a beautiful soup, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Uh, six. Brush aside vanity. Ah. From the beginning of her reign, the queen has made a deliberate effort to practice what behavioral psychologists call self-distancing. She can, with a complete lack of vanity, comb through a daily on-list of personal stories in the tabloids and still remain detached and frequently amused spectator of that. That's fantastic. I'm not so good at that. But she apparently has really mastered this of not taking her critics so seriously. Well, especially when these critics don't even know you. I've often wondered about that, like with movie stars and how they kind of get so caught up in these critics. You don't know these people. You don't play basketball with them. Why why do you care what they have to say? I get it that they have a platform, but who cares? Well, apparently she has a great sense of humor. If you look at it, you see that. (laughs) And we kind of talked about the Americans that she messed with Mm -hmm. in Scotland. There was also an interesting story that when she was getting her portrait painted, Mm -hmm. that the artist told a story that they were having tea one day and they ran out of cake. So the queen said that she was going to go down to the local shop to buy some. And they were kind of like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) But she put on one of her headscarves and ran down to the store and got a new cake. And when coming out of the store, an elderly woman said, Good heavens, you look just like the queen. And I guess her bodyguard or whatever said that she replied, Oh, how reassuring. And then she just kept on walking. (laughs) And they said that was just just her, right? She just literally got in the car, drove with her. She drove down to the local market, (laughs) you know, their local market, and bought another cake, brought it back so they could have their tea time together as she was taking her break from getting her portrait painted and replied how reassuring when someone said she looked just like the queen how funny is that well and you think 
it, she again what it that's so her right you know she's just like oh that's so reassuring as as being funny because it's like man what if i didn't look like the queen what would that <laughs> right and they said another one was that there were protesters in new zealand when she was there in 1986 and they had pelted where she was staying with eggs or a banquet dinner a few nights later she joked and she said really you know i i myself prefer my new zealand eggs for breakfast <laughs> And then they people asked about how she could make such a joke about such a thing, and she said, as a ruler, you have to expect that some people won't like you. Keeping perspective. Yeah. Um, she was asked why she wears such bright colors all the time, and she said, if I wore beige, nobody would know who I am. <laughs> well, that lady said, you look just like the queen, so... <laughs> yeah, there you go. The last one on this of kind of showing her sense of humor, there was, a, I guess, a live mic active when she was having an argument with the queen mother... The Queen Mother said, who do you think you are? In whatever argument they were having. And she, to which Queen Elizabeth replied, the Queen, Mummy. The Queen. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> so she's having an argument with her mom. And her mom's, you know, trying to put her down a peg. And she's like, no, really, I'm... I'm, no, the I'm the queen. That's why I can do whatever it is. So isn't, that was that was funny. That is funny. Well, and you think she is the queen. That's I, right. You know, but oh yeah, it, you got to have that sense of humor. You've got to be able to let that kind of stuff go and not feel so self-important, if you will. Brush off that vanity. It'll be amazing the things that you can get accomplished when you're not so worried about you. And she doesn't take criticism harshly. It yeah. Doesn't look like. It's hard, man. It, it really hard. is. It's hard. When somebody's criticizing you and you're thinking, I didn't even know I was this bad, then you're going to go home and put things on top of that, right? right exactly. Well, you know, he said, she said this, but, man, they didn't even think about this, this, and this, and I'm really terrible at it. Yeah, your whole self-talk <laughs> that she talked about earlier. Yeah. Well, and it goes right into number seven, that her number seven is never stop playing. A lot of people have had this same, uh, kind of the same thing. You don't stop playing. Uh, all the people that we've talked about had some version of that. I guess she makes time for this every day to do some things that she loves as a child, especially with horses. So the queen at 90 still got on horses. It's interesting, yes, that you say that. She loves her horses. That you know, they had their stay at home orders and their lockdown, mm-hmm. um, the beginning of 2020 and through most of 2020. And apparently, she and Prince Philip went to Windsor Castle, which is kind of where they vacation. And she rode her horses every day, 94 years old. She really? was out on her horses every day. She said it was, uh, she really wanted to get back to work at Buckingham Palace, but she was happy to have spent the quality time with her husband and her horses. One of the things I learned while I was walking the Canterbury Trail a, lot, a couple years ago was that the Cleveland Bay horse breed, she single-handedly saved this entire breed of horse. And I, I knew this, and I looked it up because I thought people would find this interesting. But in the 17th century England, the Cleveland Bay horse breed performed farm work. It pulled coaches, and it even helped um, with soldiers. They used it in the military. But unfortunately, their, their popularity really started going down by, in the 1960s. By then, there were only four stallions left in the country. Really? And the queen heard about the horse's demise. It purchased a colt named Mulgrove Supreme. And 15 years later, there were 36 stallions throughout the country. And today, there's more than between 500 and 800 of them around the world. Wow. So she single-handedly saved this breed of horse. But she is a avid horse lover and an avid horse rider. And again, during the lockdown of 2020, she went out and rode every day. 
I mean, at 94 years old, and it, so her stop never stopped playing really means she never stopped playing. Right. I mean, at 94 years old, and I, it brings me to an interesting story about my great-grandmother. Though I did not know her well, she died when I was quite young. She was 93, and uh, apparently a, a nephew of my mom's had a motorcycle, and she decided at 93 on her birthday that she wanted to take a motorcycle ride. And everybody was just like, no, you're not doing that. (laughs) And she's like, I've never done it before. I want to try it. And she had the time of her life. I mean, it didn't go very far, obviously, but she just, yeah, she wanted to do it. And at 93, she did it. That's amazing. That's great. And that's that's what she's saying. Keep playing. Stay young. Keep playing. Have fun. Life is supposed to be fun. And... Find your love. If it's not horses, mm-hmm. which yours is not. Um, no, they are not mine. Find <laughs> your love. And hers is, again, hers is horses, and she loves to ride, and so. Well, and explore it. You know, exactly. you, if you don't know what your fun thing is, explore different things. I mean, yeah. if you're here in Indiana, there's a great place in France Park uh, in Logansport. You can go to the beach. I mean, it looks like a beach <laughs> right. in, in Florida or something like that. Right. So find your fun. Um, number eight is keep the faith. Uh, she attends mm-hmm. church every Sunday, uh, prays every night before she goes to bed. She said that whatever worries her in the world, she believes that there is a higher throne on which to lay them. Okay. So again, she's not, uh, doesn't have the vanity to think that she is some, you know, master Deity. thing. Well, and in 2014, she described her faith as quote unquote, the anchor of my life. I think a lot of people can yep. say that. And it's interesting, especially since she, the Queen is actually the Supreme Governor of the Church of England. A lot of people don't know that, but she is actually like mm-hmm. kind of like the mini she pope church, uh, yeah. of the Church, at least since 1534 when they broke away from the Roman Catholic Church because King Henry VIII wanted to divorce his wife <laughs> and the Pope wouldn't let him. So he decided that he was going to basically start his own. But it is interesting that even he didn't have that higher power, and he titled it the Supreme Head to make it clear he was not claiming divinity or surpassing Christ by calling himself the head of the church or whatever. He just is the Supreme Head, not necessarily the Pope of the church, if you will. Right. Again, we don't always talk about religion on the show, but keeping the faith of whatever you keep the faith of is important. Exactly. Whatever your God is. Yeah. It gives you a sense of um, grounding, I guess, would be the uh, the proper word for it. And then it, you know that no matter what happens, you'll be okay. Yeah. It may, I think it's calming to know that there is some force out there, a God that is bigger, that is kind of overseeing everything, if you will. Yeah, definitely. Well, number nine, be open to change. And we've talked about that a lot because change is coming no matter whether you want it or not. (laughs) That's right. In 2002, she was quoted as saying in regard to change is that it's constant and the way we embrace it defines our future. Yeah, you handle it. She made tons of changes, right? Her coronation in 1953 was the first one that was ever broadcast on live television. I didn't know this, that March 26th of 1976, the Queen hit the button to send England's first email. This was really? this was prior to the internet. It was called Apparent. Was the computer network 
that has um, actually evolved into the internet that we know today. But in 1976, she actually hit the send button on a the first email from England. <laughs> so Here. now that you get all those emails and you're at work or whatever, you can thank the queen. That's so. right. <laughs> and nobody can question that she has provided continuity throughout the world of the longest reigning monarch, mm-hmm. right? Everybody knows her, and she's outlasted everybody. That I think that really helps with change because you do have to have consistency to embrace change. You have to have some kind of security. Mm-hmm. And she really gives the world that of a continuity in the world. Right. I agree with that. So number 10, cherish your crowning years. Well, I really think that the, her crowning years has given her a lot of wisdom. She has some amazing quotes. We won't cover sure, all yeah. because we're kind of running out of time. But Really, there's some good stuff out there if you want to look up quotes, just quotes by Queen Elizabeth II. Just a couple of them. One is, grief is the price you pay for love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. She she had been quoted since really early in her, her monarch to, I have to be seen to be believed. Because she was saying that there was a lot of her ancestry that just locked themselves away in castles and nobody ever really saw them in public. And it was really important for her to be seen. And that's becoming actually more as the years have gone by. Um, Another is today we need a special kind of courage, not the kind that you needed in a battle, but the kind which makes us stand up for everything we know is right. Again, that's that inner feeling that you get, that, that purpose, if you will. And the last one from Queen Elizabeth on her quotes, when life seems hard, the courageous do not lie down and accept defeat. Instead, they are all the more determined to struggle for a better future. Mm, Again, well said. That is her legacy, I think. And I think that that has been since the day she's been 25 years old. She has vowed to represent her country and be in service to her country. Not rule her country, but be in service to her country. All struggling for a better future for her and her people. And I think that she's lived that throughout her life. Absolutely. Well, there you have it. I mean, these are 10 rules that the queen lives by. If she lives by them, we certainly can try them out. That's right. And I think that we have recognized for her, it's all about purpose. So you you take that with you. Find your purpose if you can. And your place. And your place. Yeah, definitely. So we're about out of time for this show, and we have some great news. Starting January 1st, 2022, you can find our show at livingonpurposepodcast.com. Or any of the podcast platform like Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher. Just search Living on Purpose Podcast and subscribe to the podcast. Or look us up on Facebook and give us a like. And let us know what you want to add to this new show. That's right. So live every day of your life. On purpose. On purpose.